Chapter Twenty One of the Countess of Charny by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Beausire's Bravado. Imprisoned in the Chatelet, Beausire was brought before the jury specially charged to deal with thefts committed in the taking of the Tuileries. He could not deny what was only too clearly brought forth, so he most humbly confessed his deed and sued for clemency. His antecedents being looked up, they so little edified the court on his moral character that he was condemned to five years in the hulks and transportation to the plantations. In vain did he allege that he had been led into crime by the most commendable feelings, namely, to provide a peaceful future for his wife and child. Nothing could alter the doom, and as the court was one without appeal and the sentences active, it was likely to be executed immediately. Better for him, had it not been deferred for a day. Fate would have it that one of his old associates was put in prison with him on the eve of his sentence being carried out. They renewed acquaintance and exchanged confidences. The newcomer was, he said, concerned in a well-matured plot which was to burst on Strand Place or before the Justice Hall. The conspirators were to gather in a considerable number, as if to see the executions taking place at either spot, and raising shouts of, "'Long live the king! The Prussians are coming! Hurrah! Death to the nation!' They were to storm the city hall, call to their help the National Guards, two-thirds royalist, or at least constitutional, maintain the abolition of the commune, and, in short, accomplish the loyal counter-revolution.' The mischief was that Beausire's old partner was the very man who was to give the signal. The others in the plot, ignorant of his arrest, would hie to the place of execution, and the rising would fall to the ground from nobody being there to start the cries. This was the more lamentable, added the friend, from there never being a better arranged plot, and one that promised a more certain result." His arrest was the more regrettable still, as in the turmoil the prisoner would most certainly be rescued and get away, so that he would elude the branding iron and the galleys. Though Captain Beausire had no settled opinions, he leaned toward royalty, so he began to deplore the check to the scheme, in the first place for the king's sake and then for his own. All at once, he struck his brow, for he was illumined with a bright idea. "'Why, this first execution is to be mine,' he said. "'Of course, and it would have been a rich streak of luck for you.' "'But you say that it will not matter who gives the cue, for the plot will burst out?' "'Yes, but who will do this when I am caged?' and cannot communicate with the lads outside. "'I,' replied Beausire, in lofty, tragic tones, "'will I not be on the spot, since it is I whom they are to put in the pillory? So I am the man who will cry out the arranged shouts. It is not so very hard a task, methinks.' "'I always said you were a genius.' remarked the captain's friend, after being wonderstruck. Beausire bowed. "'If you do this,' 
continued the royalist plotter, "'you will not only be delivered and pardoned, but still further, when I proclaim the success of the outbreak is due to you, you can shake hands with yourself beforehand on the great reward you will earn.' "'I am not going to do the deed for anything like lucre,' said the adventurer with the most disinterested of manners. "'We all know that,' rejoined the friend. "'But when the reward comes along, I advise you not to refuse it.' "'Oh, if you think I ought to take it,' faltered the gambler, "'I press you to.' and if i had any power over you i should order you resumed the companion majestically i give in said beausire well to-morrow we will breakfast together for the governor of the jail will not refuse this favour to two old pals and we will crack a jolly good bottle of the rosy to the success of this plot though beausire may have had his doubts on the kindness of prison governors the request was granted to his great satisfaction it was not one bottle they drained but several at the fourth beausire was a red-hot royalist luckily the warders came to take him to the strand before he emptied the fifth he stepped into the cart as into a triumphal chariot disdainfully surveying the throng for whom he was storing up such a startling surprise on notre dame bridge a woman and a little boy were waiting for him to come along he recognized poor oliva in tears and young toussaint who on beholding his father among the soldiers said serves him right what did he beat me for the proud father smiled protectingly and would have waved a blessing but his hands were tied behind his back the city hall square was crammed with people they knew that this felon had robbed in the palace and they had no pity for him hence the guards had their work cut out to keep them back when the cart stopped at the pillory foot beausire looked on at the uproar and scuffling as much as to say you shall see some fun in a while this is nothing to the joker i have up my sleeve when he appeared on the pillory platform there was general hooting but at the supreme moment when the executioner opened the culprit's shirt and pulled down the sleeve to bare the shoulder and then stooped down to take the red-hot brand that happened which always does all was silent before the majesty of the law beausire snatched at this lull and gathering all his powers he shouted in a full ringing and sonorous voice long live the king hurrah for the prussians down with the nation however great a tumult the prisoner may have expected the one this raised much exceeded it the protest was not in shouts but howls the whole gathering uttered an immense roar and rushed on the pillory this time the guards were insufficient to protect their man their ranks were broken the scaffold swarmed upon the executioner thrown over and the condemned one torn from the stand and flung into the surging mob he would have been flayed dismembered and torn to pieces but for one man arrayed in his scarf as a town officer 
who luckily saw it all from the city hall steps. It was the commune attorney Manuel. He had strongly humane feelings, which he often had to keep hidden, but they moved him at such times. With great difficulty he fought his way to both sire, and laying hold of him, said in a loud voice, "'In the name of the law, I claim this man!' There was hesitation. He unloosed his scarf, floating it like a flag, and called for all good citizens to assist him. A score clustered round him, and drew Beau Sire half-dead from the crowd. Manuel had him carried into the hall, which was seriously threatened, so deep was the exasperation. Manuel came out on the balcony. "'This man is guilty,' he said, "'but of a crime for which he has not been tried. Let us select a jury from among us to assemble in a room of the city hall. Whatever the sentence, it shall be executed.' but let us have a legal sentence is it not curious that such language should be used on the eve of the massacre of the prisoners by one of the men accused of having organized it at the peril of his life this pledge appeased the mob beausire was dragged before the improvised jury he tried to defend himself but his second crime was as patent as the first only in the popular eye it was much graver was it not a dreadful crime and deserving of condign punishment to cheer the king who was put in prison as a traitor to hurrah for the prussians who had captured a french town and to wish death to the nation in agony on a bed of pain so the jury decided not only that the culprit deserved the capital penalty but that to mark the shame which the law had sought to define by substituting the guillotine for the gallows that he should be hanged, and on the spot where he committed the offense. Consequently, the headsman of Paris had his orders to erect a gibbet on the pillory stand. The view of this work, and the certainty that the prisoner could not escape them, pacified the multitude. This was the matter which the assembly was busied with. It saw that everything tended to a massacre, a means of spreading terror and perpetuating the commune. The end was that they voted that the commune had acted to merit the gratitude of the country, and Robespierre, after praising it, asserted that the house had lost the public confidence, and that the only way for the people to save themselves was to retake their powers. So the masses were to be without check, but with a heart full of vengeance and charged to continue the august massacre of those who had fought for the palace on the 10th by following them into the prisons. It was the first of September, and a storm seemed to oppress everybody with its suspended lightning. End of chapter 21 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia